Now, I'm going to start this week a short three-part series on what is called the Lord's Prayer. You might have noticed that we went through the Lord's Prayer just uh, earlier on in the service. And I'm going to ask you to turn with me as I read together with you Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. That's where the Lord's Prayer comes from, right in the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verses 7 through verse 13. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. As I keep saying, it's a good translation, it's lively. But you need to compare it with other translations because its interpretations at times are a little bit free. But it's useful nevertheless. Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on, and as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What we call the Lord's Prayer comes at a section in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is addressing how we particularly become conscious of God's presence and live totally before him with an audience of one. When we give, we give unto God. When we fast, we do it not to impress others, but we do it for God. And when we pray, we are doing it for his purposes. And uh, he he begins in, in all these instructions by not just telling us how we should go about it, but what not to do. I like Jesus' teaching. It's so, so practical. He doesn't just say, this is how to do it. He also shows, this is how not to do it. Don't do it like this, but do it like that. Really, really good practical teaching. But he says, you know, when people pray, and you've heard a lot of people praying, they pray like this. They keep babbling on as if if somehow by repeating themselves again and 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 again, God is going to listen. God will not listen to you just because you talk a lot. I mean, do you know anybody in this life who listens to you simply because you talk a lot? No, you've got to connect with him. So Jesus says, when you pray, don't use mindless babbling, repetitious babbling, as if somehow you're going to impress God to listen to you. No, no, no. He said, there's a right way of praying, a right way of approaching God. Notice Jesus says, they think they will be heard because of their prayer techniques. Now we're very close to home. 
Because it's not just about pointing a finger at other pagan religions who believe this by babbling, they're going to get some kind of answer. But any way in which you believe by some kind of technique, praying with this technique, praying with that technique, praying with this amount of intonation in your voice. I want to tell you, you will be heard by God if you learn to pray like this. Or it can be, you can only be heard by God if you shout loud enough for the angels to get earache. <laughs> had some friends around my house some time ago and we decided to pray grace. I didn't know I had a bunch of demon busters in the, in the house. And they broke every demon in existence and a thousand demons that weren't in existence, including demons on mashed potato. <laughs> I don't think that God's very impressed by those things. But we need to guard against a religious form of praying, even as Christians. Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean to say that we, we still don't suffer from a dose of religion. And I need you to understand what religion really is. What is the religious spirit? The religious spirit is this, is that there is a way that you can harness spiritual powers to get your will done. We'll go on and see how Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven, may your will be done on earth as in heaven, not Lord, may my will be done in heaven as it's done on earth. That's a complete reversal. But there is a religious spirit that believes that if we have the right technique, God will give us exactly what we want. We can harness religions, we harness uh, spiritual forces to get what we want out of life. A kind of uh, manipulative kind of prayer, but Jesus says it's not mechanical, it's not manipulative. Prayer is relational. Remember, Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask him. So the big question is, well, why? Why do we have to? If, if he knows everything anyway. Have you ever thought about that? If God knows everything, why do we need to pray to him and tell him things? Well, we're not praying in order to inform him of anything. We are praying that we might draw close to him. Remember, a man who used to amuse Amanda and I, before we were married, we went to the same church together, and his prayers in the prayer meeting were extraordinary. He was forever informing the Lord of the news bulletins that he just read that day in the local press. He'd start something like this. Oh, Father, I'm very sure, Lord, that you might have read in the newspaper that our dear beloved brother has departed to be with thyself. As if God didn't know about it. <laughs> you don't have to inform him of anything. You don't have to persuade him either or convince him. He is your heavenly father. He knows what you need and he wants you to draw close to him because he wants to bless you. Amen and amen. That's amazing. But it makes us realize that prayer is more than just asking God for things. It's about fellowshipping with him. I don't know if you've got a friend like this. I've got at least one friend like this. And uh, I'm going to ask Amanda to be very, very, not to give anything away, because she knows 
the person whom I am referring to or persons, male or female, nobody knows. So it's between us. Every time the phone rings and this guy, this man or woman, whoever it might be, <laughs> is on the line. She, Amanda hands me the phone and she says, I wonder what he wants this time. And sure enough, never just a hello, how are you? Always, oh, by the way, can you do this? And whenever I meet <coughs> him, <coughs> excuse me. Sure enough, oh, can you do this? Can you do, have you got friends like that? It's okay to be helpful, but I mean, you know, when they just sit down and have a cup of coffee, why are they always wanting something? How frustrating for God when he wants us to talk to him. He wants our fellowship. He just can't, he can't get enough of you. He enjoys you so much. When was the last time you sat with him and just poured out your heart to him because you love him and he, you know that he's enjoying you? Now, it is important to understand God wants us to ask him for things. Ask and you shall receive. Yes? And it's important to learn intercession, to pray for other people. The Lord's Prayer contains both petitions, asking for ourselves, and intercession, asking for others. But that's not the heart of it. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Begin, our Father. It's about relationship. Everything after that, our Father, is 100% about Relationship, And it's not just my father, he's your father, he's our father. It is a family prayer. It's about us together living in relationship with one another and with Jesus. So it all begins with understanding the nature of the one that we are speaking to and fellowshipping with. And Jesus says he's father. Now I've got to stop right here. Because in our generation, there has been a, an almost total destruction of fatherhood. Our whole society is fatherless in so many different ways. Marcus Berkman, man who wrote a book in 2011 called Fatherhood, the Truth, talks about the different Failures that are often associated with fathers and fatherhood in our generation. But he concludes by saying this, it's not just about with you how marvelous you are as a father and all the rest of it. He said, just, just start here. Just be there. He says it may not sound very much, but obviously... For a lot of men, it is just too much even to be there. The United States of America, 36% of children are not living with their biological fathers. And 40% of those haven't seen their fathers in over a year. Now that's America, it's very similar here. And when you look at the sociological research 
into our fatherless generation. It has been demonstrated again and again that children brought up by one parent are more likely to do bad at school, suffer from depression, even commit crimes. Now, very quickly, the author goes on to say, this is not necessarily the single mother's fault as if they're not doing their job. It's because our society has forgotten something that God has placed within our lives, the need for a father and only father can fill it. And this father-shaped hole, if it is left empty in our early childhood, it can be difficult, even impossible, ever to fulfill. But I've got some good news. Because when we meet Jesus, he begins a conversation with us. And he might say, I know your dad was never there. I know he was Drunk, or I know he was overbearing, I know he never cared for you, but I want you to meet my father. And then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, and my father can be your father. Follow me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow me, you will come into a relationship with my father, and that's my whole purpose, to introduce you to my father so that my father can become your father. And the whole ministry of Jesus was to reveal the heart of the father, and you might have had the best father ever, but he's not, no comparison to the heavenly father. John 1 verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God at any time. But the one and only Son is himself God and is near to the Father's heart. Because the Son is near to the Father's heart, the Son can reveal the Father to us. So, when we pray, we pray that we might get to know our Heavenly Father. And we look at Jesus and follow Jesus. And in following Jesus, we come into a personal, intimate relationship with God as Father. We discover that our Father is living, loving, giving and forgiving. Oh yes, he's righteous and holy and true. He is the sovereign ruler and judge over all things. He's not just some weak parental figure. He's absolutely holy, absolutely righteous. He will never compromise his glory. That God is your father through Jesus. But how is it that we find it difficult at times to approach him practically? Kyle Eidelman, 2014, wrote a book called Aha! It's for young people. Aha! The God moment. The aha moment. The God moment. That changes everything. What a title. Can you have an aha moment that changes everything? Could you have an aha moment today that changes everything? You read his book, he's talking all about young people. I think it applies to all of us. But young people who are distant, 
who are in a distant land. He's talking about the prodigal son, you know, the son who left the farm, left the father, left the family, and went far away into a foreign distant land. But he had an aha moment. And he returned to the father. Now, uh, Kyle speaks about it in these terms. He said, I wish it weren't so common, but I've talked to many travelers, meaning runaways, travelers who are in the distant country. Are you in a distant country today? Have you, have you come home to the Father? Or are you still in a distant country? And if so, why? And is it because of what Kyle says here? He says, many of these people are in a distant country far away from God because they see God as an uncaring father. God wasn't there for me when I needed him. So they head for the distant country and never look back. And from that moment onwards, they view God as an impersonal force that doesn't know or care about them doesn't care about what's happening in their lives. And Kyle says, this is the kind of relationship that they have with God. I wonder if it rings true to you today. This is their kind of relationship with God. If God doesn't care for me, then I don't care for him. How tragic that some of this goes right back to broken hurt, hurt brokenness and hurt in childhood. Kyle quotes a family therapist by the name of John Trent who uh, got hold of a letter given to him by a third grade teacher. And the lesson in class was, we want you to write a letter to your fathers. So this third grade young primary school child wrote this letter to her father. Dear Daddy, I love you so much. When are you going to come see me again? I miss you very much. I love when you take me to the pool. When am I going to spend the night at your house? Have you ever seen my house before? I want to see what your house is like. When am I going to get to see you again? I love you, Daddy. Hmm. I wonder if you understand that Jesus' invitation for you to pray the Lord's Prayer is all about coming home to the Father. First of all, you ask the Father into your home. Come and see my house. Come and live with me. And then the Father says, yes, one day you can come and see my house. Jesus said, In my father's house, there are many, many rooms. Many, many rooms. I've gone to prepare it for you. Yes, we are going to go to God's house in the future. But in the the present and in the meantime, God is coming to your house. He's going to come home to you. So when you begin to pray, ask yourself, am I really connecting with God as my father? That's why it's always good to begin with um, your red dot. Now, for many people who have been on some of the 
Larry Crabb courses will know what, a red, what this red dot is. Let me explain it to you all. It's very, very simple. The red dot is that place on the map that says, you are here. Okay? So you need to know where you are in order to go where you want to be. So every journey begins from your red dot, where you are, including your journey of prayer. So Larry Crabb in his book, Papa Prayer, invites us always to begin to pray by asking, what's my red dot? Where am I now? What's going on inside me? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And tell it to God. Here's some recent ones of my red dots. What are you thinking, feeling right now? Angry? Frustrated? Hurt? Scared? Anxious? Disappointed? Self-satisfied? Smug? Bored? Tell him all of those things. And then go on to say, well, if that's what I'm thinking and feeling now, what... What, um, how am I thinking of God? How am I viewing God right now at that moment? Let me give you some examples. So you come to pray and you're exhausted and you're tired. And so you say, God, I'm feeling tired and exhausted. Then think, how am I thinking of God? And often it'll be, I'm tired and exhausted, God, because it's your fault. You expect far too much from me. You expect me to be a member of Kensington Temple. Four services on a Sunday. Cell meetings, emails, memos. Work, work, work. No matter I'm tired, God. It's all your fault. (laughs) Or if you're feeling guilty. I feel so guilty. I feel so unworthy. Well, of course, God, it's your fault. You're this rigid, unfeeling, unbended, law-giving judge. Now, you might not ever say this in polite company. You might still be saying, oh, Jesus, you're so wonderful. We love to be here, Lord. Amen. Hila Mashila. Just to get a few words in tongues. <laughs> but what's going on inside? No wonder you don't feel like you're in contact with God because you're play acting. Tell him the truth. God, I feel tired because I just see you as demanding so much from me. And then you will soon repent because you say, wait a bit. Is that what you really believe about me? Is that what your heavenly father? Of course not. You're not like that, Lord. And you start to break down these points in your mind. If you feel empty and deprived, is it because you're thinking of God as a withholder, cruel, lacking in compassion, mocking you in your need? You bless the person next to me, Lord, but I'm, you never bless me. Is that approaching God as your loving heavenly father? If you feel far from him, and it's, it's all right to tell him that I feel far from you, God, but why? Is it because he's moved or I've moved? He hasn't abandoned me. He never will abandon me. And so you start to get rid of that baggage, those false views of God. Marcus Berkman, in that book, Fatherhood, I told you about earlier, quotes a study done by the Equal Opportunities Commission in 2002. Extraordinary. They studied and made a report in which they analyzed British fathers. Fascinating reading. And they categorized British fathers into four different kinds of categories. I wonder which one we fit in. 
First of all, there's the enforcer dad, the old-fashioned stereotype. I set the rules, but I'm not involved in your life. I shout a lot. I'll kiss you twice a year on your birthday and at Christmas, but not so much. I want to toughen you up. Then there's the entertainer dad. He's very good at amusing the kids, but useless at everything else. He doesn't help around the house. He avoids having to discipline, accept responsibility, but he's great fun at parties. Then you've got the useful dad. He does his bit domestically, regularly looks after the kids, does the washing up, but he always defers authority and responsibility to his partner, to his wife. He sees himself as helping out, but never taking responsibility. Then we have the fully involved dad. Now, the equal opportunities people would have us think he has got it right, but I'm not so sure. The fully involved dad is the equally involved in running the family dad. He's fully endorsed as equal opportunity democratic father. Not a bad model, but hardly the loving spiritual leader, the person who is the rock of responsibility and security and stability for his family. So we've got to turn back to our Heavenly Father, don't we? And understand who he is. He is the God who is, yes, of course, he is welcoming and approachable. He is not the absentee, distant father, but neither is he the indulgent sugar daddy. Or for my French friends, il, il n'est pas le papa gâteau. Okay. He's not hostile or harsh. He's not this disciplinary and violent, uncaring person. Nor is he the passive, weak, pliable, uncaring person. Don't think that you care more if you're passive. No. God is the sovereign ruler. He's in control of everything. He is our awesome, almighty Father God. We come before him as God almighty, not as God almighty. I want you to have a look at this. We got to it in this service. We have time. You know, I'm a diver and I love swimming with fish. I've never swum with a fish as big as this fish. This fish is a blue whale at 30 meters, uh, 180 metric tons, 200 tons, astonishing, the largest known animal ever to have existed. And if you just have a look, you can just see there is a diver swimming along. Now, this is what it's like when you come to pray. You are having fellowship with a very big fish. Now, this fish, this whale, could destroy that diver, just like this. I was in the coast of California, and we dived, and there were some giant sea bass, and they were as big as a person. Come here, Gabriel, let me just show, show you how big they are. <laughs> They're as big as that. Do you think you could just spread yourself out long? So, but, all right, there's no water, you couldn't float. In fact... That fish made Gabriel look a little skinny. It's true, it's true, it's true. No insult to the fish, mind you. And, uh, and I came close, and the fish just swished its tail, just like this, very gently through the water. And in the water, I was just blown all over the place. That was a fish this big. Imagine something like this. You know how 
much God has to concentrate to keep very still when he's talking to you. So gentle, but so big. This is awesome. This is our Papa God, our Daddy God. He is the big God, the only wise God. And when you are in fellowship with him, your heart is stilled because you're connected to his peace. Your mind is focused because you're hearing his word and revelation. And your communion with him is pure because you are connecting with him for who he really is. So how do you think of God today? Don't think just because you're a believer that you or me, we always come to God with the right attitude. But when we come saying, God, yes, I'm tired, but I need your strength. Father, I, I, I feel so guilty, but thank you for your forgiveness. I feel so empty, but that's not because you withhold from me. It's because you know best and maybe your ways are higher than my ways. Whatever other thoughts or feelings, God wants you to know him. And acknowledge him as your loving heavenly father. Whatever you're going through, even through difficult times, that's when you trust his wisdom. Father, you know I don't understand, but I trust you, Father. When you don't get what you want, you realize that you're not here to pray to get what you want from God. You're here to get to know God himself. Knowing God, drawing close to him, he is your loving heavenly father. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to go on into a time of worship in a moment. And before we do that, I need you right now every head bowed, nobody moving around because God is speaking to people here. Maybe you've never understood that your distance from God is because you have moved. He's not left home. If you're far from God, who's moved? No, 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 you've moved. God hasn't moved. And he invites you to come home. I really mean that. Come home to where you belong. Open your heart and say, Father, I want my heart to be your home. I welcome you home into my heart. And it might be that you've struggled in your own childhood. And, and, and you've, there's, there's this father emptiness in you. And you are yearning for that father emptiness to be fulfilled. Let me tell you, flesh and blood cannot fulfill that. Even if your father was the most perfect father ever, this hole is there because God is missing from your life. And in such a moment as this, it's so simple. Jesus has paid the price 
so that the Father can become your Father and all you have to do is to say, Father, I welcome you. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I want you in my life and thank you, Jesus, for introducing me to your Father because now your Father is my Father. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If this is you today and you're saying, I really want to come home today. I don't mean going to the place where you were born. I mean, coming to the place where you can be born again. A new beginning. Here it is. Here's how you pray. Listen to my words. Echo them in in your heart. Here it is. Heavenly Father, I'm amazed that I can know you as my father. I welcome you home into my heart. Come and live with me until I get to go and live with you. Lord Jesus, I ask you, wash me, prepare me for the Father's presence. Thank you for dying for me on the cross to make me a child of God. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, we're going to minister to all of you and we're going to sing some more worship songs together, have a good time in the Father's presence. But before that, I want to pray for every person today who doesn't know the Father and you say, I want to know him. I want this. I need this. Something has happened to me today. I want to come home. I want the Father to come and make his home with me. I want to know my heavenly Father. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I've got something to give you. I'm holding in my hand. Somebody will deliver it to you right where you are. But I need to pray for you and I want to give this to you. Help me by indicating that you are ready to come to know God as your Father. You prayed that prayer. You want God in your life. If that's you, lift your hand right now from where you're sitting. Thank you. God bless you here. Please come and be alert, everybody, and nobody else moving, just the people who are attending to these. Lift your hand high, so come help me on the platform. I don't want to miss. If the boy's lifting his hand and means it, take it, take it. Other people here, thank you so much. Listen, lady, let me just lean over to you. Second row here, because there, there you are. You have it. All right, anybody else? Give us another one of those. Thank you very much. Everybody, anybody else? Anybody else right now? Downstairs, okay, over here. I, I'm, I'm just going to come over and deliver it to you in a minute, you know. All right. All over this place. Over, down, over into the internet land. You can be in touch with us straight away. There's a way of connecting right now, letting us know. Or you can email straight away, but it's right there for you. Downstairs in the low hall overflow, everybody, everybody, final time, you've not lifted your hand, you want God to be your father today, lift your hand high. Okay, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for every one of these people. You are calling us as your children back into the family inheritance, the family home, the family blessing, and the family's table, the father's table. We pray, our father in heaven, thank you for who you are. Amen and amen. 
Now I want everybody standing. You know, sometimes I feel, believers, church, that when I turn my attention to pray for people who don't know Jesus, the rest of you tune out. It's like, oh, it's nothing to do with me. I'm saved. Okay. But do you really know God as your father? Have you really had that fatherlessness in your spirit filled by the Holy Spirit who teaches you to call God your father? Have you really understood that your father is never going to leave you, never going to forsake you? Oh yeah, he's not a sugar daddy just to give you what you want. He isn't Father Christmas. He will put you right. Oh yes, he will. That big whale, no, you don't mess. You don't mess with Papa God. But you know that he is loving. He is gentle. And he is good. We're going to worship the Lord with this song together. And I believe... It's going to be some healing in people's hearts. And you're going to draw near to him as you've never drawn near to him before as your wonderful heavenly father.
Jesus is.